Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. Our host for today's episode is Ryan Eras. This is the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute, also resident on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. It's good to be together for another week. I'm joined, as always, by Nathan Oblak and Dr. Joe Boot. Welcome back, guys. Good to be back. Nice to be here. Mm -hmm. Terrific. Nate, before we begin, anything to, uh, any updates? Anything you want to share? (laughs) What are you looking for here? Anything you need to get off your chest? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, there's plenty, but uh, maybe I'll talk about our programs first. <laughs> sure. So we have a few uh, of our uh, residential training programs coming up. They're quickly approaching, and uh, I mentioned them on our uh, episode last week, uh, but it's good to mention them again. Uh, our H. Evan Runner International Academy, that's coming up on June 5th to the 15th, and this year we're headed out to Golden, uh, British Columbia. It's about a three-hour drive west of Calgary, a beautiful setting in the Rocky Mountains, and uh, I'm surprised there's no Dumb and Dumber. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was waiting I for the Rockies it. would be rockier than this. <laughs> oh, so that's uh, that's like just on, kind of right on the border. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, once you just get into the Rockies, it's beautiful. Is there a reason it wasn't in Aspen? <laughs> <laughs> All California, up, yeah. <laughs> beautiful. There it is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and we've actually just now confirmed uh, several of our our speakers uh, for. For the uh, for the academy, and we've got Andrew Sandlin, uh, Brian Matson, Andre Shooten, Tim Stevens, Jason Hagen, and of course Joe Boot, and we've got many others. Uh, we expect to be signing on as speakers as well. And of course, at this program, uh, this isn't a program where you know you hear a lecture and uh, uh, the faculty disappear. Uh, the faculty's hanging around. We're mm-hmm. we're eating together. We're sharing together. We're studying together for the entirety of the program probably go hiking or mountain biking or something together a bit of white water rafting as well i gather yep yep joel will be leading some uh can't wait very dangerous hikes along (laughs) (laughs) dangerous precipices (laughs) and then the other bring your bear spray yeah Yeah. (laughs) the other program i would mention is the worldview youth academy and that's our program for teens and that's coming up uh july 11th to the 16th that's here in the niagara region as usual and that's for anyone aged 15 to 18 and uh i would mention that we're, we're two-thirds filled up already uh for that program so if you'd like uh to be part of that register quickly it's mm-hmm. uh already just getting into february nearly nearly full awesome great yeah thanks nate so we uh we brought this up last week as it was sort of uh impending uh but uh, but now they have arrived. The, uh, the trucker convoy is resident in Ottawa. There are uh, what I guess you would call conflicting reports over how, it's, uh, how they're conducting themselves, but for, from people on the ground as well as many uh, friends of ours, pastors who have been there, this is, a, uh, by, all, by all reports, a, a very a 
family friendly and peaceful and uh, enthusiastic kind of uh, event. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that brings us very neatly and tidily to uh, our first uh, first order of business today, uh, which is the uh, the subject of critical theory. And we are seeing this uh, in Ottawa with uh, with this uh, freedom convoy, trucker convoy. We're seeing critical theory manifest and taking center stage in the midst of uh, a conflict over freedom, a disagreement, a, a fundamental worldview divide on the question and subject and content of and definition of freedom. And this is a uh, it's interesting. It's appropriate in some ways, since uh, one of the things that uh, that critical theory uh, is desiring to do is to instantiate uh, practical philosophy, mm-hmm. uh, something mm-hmm. that is, that can be lived out. This w- this was uh, begun by Marx and uh, Joe. I'll I'll let you kick in in just a minute here because uh, I did a bit of this, but. You've got uh, you've got more more time here that you've done you've spent in it, but uh, this was this was uh, yeah articulated by Marx that the point of philosophy is not in fact to contra several decades and centuries of other philosophies. Uh, the point of philosophy, according to Marx, is not primarily to understand the world, but to to change the world, mm-hmm. and. This is this is one one dictum that uh, the Frankfurt School and the uh, the critical theory worldview has picked up and uh, continued to uh, to apply and articulate throughout its uh, its successive generations, you know, right uh, right down to this morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, we've Joe, we've got just to just throw it over to you. We have a school of thought in critical theory that emphasizes liberation, mm-hmm. that emphasizes democracy in terms of participation in movements by you know the the vast majority if not the uh the entirety of a population you've got a movement that emerged as expressly uh anti-fascist in the Mm -hmm. late 20s and early 30s and we're seeing many of these same adherents of critical theory uh, articulating and expressing uh a desire to uh, to shut down, to silence any dissent, uh, in terms of or as expressed by the uh, the convoy and anyone who's uh, representing there or uh, yeah on on the ground there. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the deal? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it certainly is confusing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the in in many respects, and you know, we could. Uh, we could sort of hammer this out in in a in, in tremendous detail, but uh, I think critical theory has often been misunderstood as a set of tools. Uh, it's just a, it's just a set of academic tools, um, not a not a worldview. Mm-hmm. But actually, as a critical theory, as a proper noun, um, is much more than a set of tools. It's it's a set of ideas, set of beliefs. Uh, uh, a set of assumptions about the world and uh, you're absolutely right to pick up on the influence uh, the critical influence of um, of, of Marx 
uh, I should say the vital influence of Marx mm. to avoid confusion. I was going to say uh, something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the vital influence of Marx in in this whole notion that the task of philosophy is not simply to describe or interpret the world, but to change it. And so the, the critical theorists said that what we need is a unification of philosophy and the social sciences into a, uh, a unified uh, system of, of applications. Uh, so it had to be um, both explanatory, it has to be practical, it has to be then normative. So uh, you can see how that's a departure from, as you mentioned, the sort of more abstract, purely metaphysical pursuits in the history of the Western tradition. I think in in the, um, we could say something in favor of one of the insights of critical theory is to recognize uh, that you cannot radically separate philosophy and the social sciences. Mm-hmm. You can't, the notion that um, what's going on in society is just uh, as within the liberal tradition, for example, as is so often thought, a sort of just a neutral set of tools, a right. neutral apparatus. Mm-hmm. You know, critical theory is in a certain sense, they're honest in, um, in recognizing uh, that you can't separate fact and value, hmm. uh, there, that there is um, uh, uh, an integration of philosophy, we might even say worldview, and uh, the social sciences. Where we would be, must be, highly critical is they don't seem self-aware enough to see the in- inherent circularity uh, and contradictory character of their assumptions. N- knowledge itself is, in their view, about social structures that serve the needs of the powerful. Well, if this is a new knowledge structure, uh, how is it not the case that this is simply now serving the needs, the desires of another set of thinkers? And you highlighted the the problematic idea that this was supposedly about, I mean, the essence of critical theory is that your theory, uh, your critique is about uh, off, pointing up problems, alleged mm-hmm. problems mm-hmm. within the society. So you, you I spend all your time identifying the problems. Very little time is actually spent offering any constructive thing in its place, which again is very, um, very Marxist, very communist. You know, the notion mm-hmm. that if you have the revolution, a utopia will emerge, and critical theory is is quintessentially utopian. That's right. Criticize, criticize, criticize. Identify a problem, problem, problem. Yeah, just pull out to pull out the blocks of the structure. Yes, I identify. You know, and it's all about structures, right? So mm-hmm. structures of oppression. You you know, you're engaged. You're, you're caught up in a structure that you're not even fully aware of. But if knowledge and all of these structures and social reality is just a product of of power and of the um, uh, attempt to keep others enslaved, how is this new worldview with its idea of knowledge and its set of assumptions um, any different? Now, they would probably say, well, democratization, because it's all about consensus. Well, so let's hear a critical theorist, uh, a quintessential, well, actually, we probably shouldn't say that he's uh, certainly no philosopher, um, but he's somewhere, some way down the chain. But nonetheless, somebody who is who has absolutely absorbed mm-hmm. critical theory. Yeah. And let's hear about what this person thinks about uh, the the rights yeah. 
um, the democratic rights even of ordinary people in our society. Yeah, well, you've set up this clip very well, Joe, because uh, if anyone heard our prime minister from earlier this week in his press conference, uh, he's continued talking about truckers and really anyone interested in freedom freedom or liberty uh, as racist, misogynist, uh, again, pointing to all these problems, uh, which we would argue are imaginary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, it's just a, such an incredible example of his affinity for critical theory. But uh, here's the clip. Can you explain the reason why you won't uh, participate or meet with them? I mean, you've attended uh, rallies on the Hill in the past, uh, in ten, including during a Black Lives Matter protest um, and others. Is there a reason that you can give as for why you will not discuss or have any negotiations with this particular group? I have attended protests and rallies in the past uh, when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues. Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. But I have also chosen to not go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric, violence towards fellow citizens, uh, and a disrespect uh, not just of science, but of uh, the frontline health workers and, quite frankly, the 90% of truckers who have been doing the right thing to keep Canadians safe, to put food on our tables. Uh, Canadians know where I stand. This is a moment for responsible leaders to think carefully about where they stand and who they stand with. So, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot we could comment on there. Um one of them being the frontline workers that he's fired. Uh, we could we could comment on that. Or, I mean, he's he's again appealing to science and facts as if he owns mm-hmm. science and facts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think where we should uh, comment is 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 perhaps when he says, you know, when he agrees with the goals, when he supports the people expressing their concerns and issues like Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. then he'll participate. Mm-hmm. Well, part of uh, the the idea central to critical theory, and of course, um, one aspect or one one form of critical theory is critical race theory, um, uh, and the, uh, the the whole idea of the the I mean, we might even call it the broader rubric of the social justice movement is rooted mm-hmm. in critical yeah. theory. It's rooted in a, a Marxist perspective. One aspect of that is. Um, uh, critical race theory. So what you can see there is an attempt to say, to, to, to pigeonhole ordinary Canadians here, families, mm. uh, working class people, as, um, as racists, right. as people who are, who are beyond the pale. That is, they are against the liberation movement. They are against true justice, mm. right? They, are, they're, they're, they come from a a perspective that he finds unacceptable, mm-hmm. right? You remember that statement? Mm-hmm. Uh, a whole people holding unacceptable views. Mm-hmm. So you see that immediately this is not about democratization and consensus. It's about the, the implementation and the imposition of a particular world and life view. And in this case, if our prime minister, who's adopted and embraced critical theory, uh, doesn't agree with... Uh, your message because it doesn't tie in with because actually uh, what we might call the the liberal tradition politically by that I mean continental 
inheritance of the liberal tradition, not mm. progressivism. Yeah, Lockean liberalism. <clears throat> yes, yeah. uh, and, and, and the sort of structures of rule of law and so forth. Um, people who essentially support that, while they're part of this old, according to critical theory, they're part of this traditional interpretation. They're not about the task of liberation. The, li the liberation is a special kind of democratization, which is about the structure of every, uh, the destruction of every kind of hi uh, hierarchy and every kind of norm. Um, and of course, you can see how critical theory serves the purposes of despotic and tyrannical government okay. uh, incredibly well. Hmm. Um, because all you need to do is identify uh, people as being on the wrong side of liberation and basically being part of the the, the, the slave movement, you know, to, to seeking to enslave people. Even though these people are working class folks who maybe lost their job, they're small business owners, they're just family people. Um, that's irrelevant. They belong to a structure, a system that needs to be overturned and destroyed. Why, why, why are they misogynist? What has a freedom convoy of trucks got to do <laughs> with misogyny? Mm. Well, it's to do with the fact that, well, these people are generally family people. Right. Uh, they're hardworking, ordinary Canadians with families mm. who's, who would reinforce a structure mm -hmm. called the, the, you know, the normative, uh, or they might call the, um, the nuclear family structure. Right. Um, which is a form of oppression. And critical theory is about the overturning, mm. the highlighting of every kind of problem or issue uh, with these kinds of structures. And that includes, actually, the inheritance of our the rule of law, of our political inheritance in the Anglo-American tradition, the rule of law grounded in, actually, in biblical law, uh, and the... Uh, the equality of everyone before the law, that's unacceptable to critical theory. Mm -hmm. No, that's just in service of a privileged, small minority. And Trudeau wants to show himself to be an ally of liberation. And therefore, he articulates his support for Black Lives Matter, which is a Marxist organization, which employs one... Admittedly. Admittedly, yeah, self-consciously yeah. yeah, so. Yeah, and yeah. on its early iterations of its website, before it took some of it down, mm -hmm. um, was openly and and particularly hostile to the idea of the family right right so that's what because critical race theory is committed to that as a critical theory mm -hmm. trudeau's happy to identify with that he'll go to protests that mm -hmm. uh endorse that worldview so you see you're you he's he's caught on the horns of an inherent dilemma he says he's about democracy there he says he's about freedom mm -hmm. but it's only a certain kind of freedom and it's freedom only for certain types of people. That is those who share his worldview. And actually, even equality before the law. Well, we were talking just before we started the podcast about uh, how we've got people who are unvaxxed or unable to access organ transplants. Mm. Um, they're not able to get on a train. Uh, uh, they're not able to get on an aircraft. Mm -hmm. And uh, we pointed out how in some respects, you know, um, uh, the, uh, the the fact that you don't have access to a train um, makes it something like of a, of a civil rights issue, the likes of which we haven't seen since the 1960s in America. Um, you don't have uh, access to all the places that other people can go in society. You can't exercise your constitutional right to travel. 
uh, to, to, to enter and leave the country freely. Um, these rights uh, that, um, and, and actually, of course, the right to work and earn a living at your job, these rights have been taken away, mm-hmm. put in, uh, been suspended. That doesn't matter here. Uh, because this um, this radical democratization is only about you identifying the problems within the existing structures. And if you stand with those who agitate against the existing structures, then you're for freedom and democracy. But if you in any way advocate for our inherited freedoms, our inherited uh, social structures and so forth, then you're on the side of the the dark angels you're not on the side of light mm-hmm. uh, and so those people can be dismissed you don't even need to engage in a dialogue with them mm-hmm. he's fled the city he's not prepared to even engage in a discussion he says with these people they don't matter mm-hmm. uh why not well they have unacceptable views mm-hmm. what are their unacceptable views they want their constitutional freedoms so it's incredible to see how, and uh, you know, it doesn't. If if to 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 attend protests that involve the defacing of statues, the pulling down of the 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 statues of the good and the great, of violence. I mean, look at the what we saw across the United States um, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, attend happened, happened in Canada too, and it happened in Canada as well. And think about. Remember, we saw estimates the, of over a billion dollars in damage, right? Anywhere from a billion to two billion. And uh, don't forget the burning of churches that we saw as well last year um, uh, in a variety of provinces out mm-hmm. west. Mm-hmm. Barely made, b- barely made the news. Hardly registered. Well, they were mostly peaceful. Uh, that's right. These were peaceful mm-hmm. riots, mm-hmm. Um, and where you actually have destruction of property, violence, and the tearing down of statues, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Where there's actually a completely peaceful uh, uh, demonstration. Mm-hmm. No arrests are made. Um, this is completely unacceptable. You've got the media desperate to spin whatever they can to, mm-hmm. to, to, to make it look like uh, it's something other than it is. And this is the tragic fruit of, of critical theory um, and how it's invaded and uh, essentially taken over the levers of power. I mean, it's expressed also in the, the law changes that we've seen in regard to human identity and sexuality as well. I mean, Bill C-4 is a product of critical theory um, because the normative, it's a social constructionist view. There are no norms uh, that actually transcend in any way, shape or form um, the ideas within the context of a culture. So Max Horkheimer, for example, um, uh, critical theory, some of his selected essays, he comments a bit on religion. It's very interesting what he says. He says, the concept of God was for a long time the place where the idea was kept alive that there are other norms beside those to which nature and society give expression in their operation. Dissatisfaction with earthly destiny is the strongest motive for acceptance of a transcendental being. So critical theory but its foundation rests on a fundamental religious claim that there is no transcendental being, there is no God, there is no law from God. Now, where he's confused, where he does get in a muddle here, um, he says that uh, the concept of God is kept alive where there are, um, where, where the idea was kept alive that there were other norms beside those to which nature and society give expression in their operation. Well, actually, from the Christian standpoint, no, all laws and norms are given expression within creation. Mm-hmm. 
So this attempt to sort of shunt a transcendental being off into, uh, you know, some completely other realm that has no real connection with Earth and history was one of the primary concerns of critical theory. So he goes on to say, the more Christianity brought God's rule into harmony with the events of the world, the more the meaning of religion became perverted. So for Horkheimer... So the more, the more you... The more God is active within his creation. That's, that's the That's offense. an adulteration of That's of an adulteration religion. of religion for Horkheimer. So he says Protestantism attributed the world's course directly to the will of the Almighty. Now that for him is the ultimate offense. Hmm. Uh, and worse of all, and this could be, this is all, I mean, think about the influence of the un, often uncritically, if I can say that, of the influence of critical theory on many pastors today. Listen to what he says here. Christianity lost its function of expressing the ideal to the extent that it became the bedfellow of the state, end quote. Mm. So for him, the extent to which God is engaged with history and the Christian faith is applied right. in culture and in political life, the more it's unfaithful, he thinks, to the religious ideal. Because, for, because at best, religion is supposed to be constructive historically of a kind of criticism uh, that allows you to um, critique what's wrong with the world. So he would have said that religion was an early form of means of criticizing social problems in terms mm. of a transcendent being. Mm. But his view is now we dispense with the heavenly judge. And he says, um, let me read, let me quote to you what uh, Horkheimer says himself. The productive kind of criticism of the status quo, which found expression in earlier times as a belief in a heavenly judge, today takes the form of a struggle for more rational forms of societal life. So he's saying that essentially the critical theorists take the place of the heavenly judge. They are now the ones who... Uh, struggle for a more rational form of societal life that seek liberation from injustice. Um, and actually, the more that Christianity, because of course Christianity is his target, not religion in general, the more Christianity was applied, the more God's law was recognized and applied, the more it, uh, it adulterated the ideal religion. Now, does that, does that not remind you oh, of oh, the messaging uh, of many professed Christians mm -hmm. today mm -hmm. and many mm -hmm. professed pastoral leaders. And so he says, no, the, 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 the role of philosophy now, the role of critical theory is um, to take the place of the divine judge and to engage in this struggle for a more rational society. What's a rational society? A society in which we take control through rational consensus of social life. It's not controlled from divine revelation, there is no God and no revelation. There is only the critical theorist, mm. the one who stands on the edge of the abyss and creates society and creates knowledge and drives towards, and it's always on the horizon and never realized, perfect justice is never possible according to yeah. the critical theorist. It's always something that's on the horizon, mm -hmm. but it's the struggle towards it, which is why there's never a concern with constructive um, solutions to problems, it's only ever critical theory, right? The critical is the revolutionary. So it's not reform, it's revolution. It's not reform the police, it's defund the police, abolish the police, right? Crit the critical is the revolutionary aspect. 
Theory is not, I've got a theory, what do you think? The theory is the worldview, that there's no God, there's no transcendent law, there is only uh, the struggle for liberation and justice against structures of oppression. That's the theory. So it's the, it's the, um, it's the elevating, essentially, of the, the critical philosopher to the position of God. And uh, yes, I mean, it's, it's tragic to listen to a prime minister in the Anglosphere identify his support for, you rightly identified it, Ryan, and here's the lack of, of, of self-awareness, I, sh- I suspect, in somebody like the prime minister, a German philosophical tradition. This is a German philosophical tradition embedded in the Frankfurt School. Mm-hmm. Uh, Horkheimer, I think, 1929, as memory serves, uh, the Institute for Social Research. That launched in 1929 critical theory as a worldview. And we now have today, as it made its way, its long march through the institutions, uh, now has become political orthodoxy. It's become cultural orthodoxy influencing the church and it's now been used we've just seen it in the last 48 hours in canada to repudiate ordinary working canadians trying to put the bread on the table of their own families and their children it's been used to repudiate them and deny them their basic civil liberties Mm. uh and that's the contradiction the inherent contradiction here mm-hmm. i know ryan's got another illustration to pick up for us but maybe you've got something else to say here nathan but this is the this is the inherent contradiction of we want freedom sure. we we're told democracy freedom uh, but this kind of democratization does not mean the consent of the people to be governed and our role in putting leaders in place who will govern in terms of the rule of law mm-hmm. This democratization means the destruction, actually, of those values and all the structures which support them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you put yeah. it into words earlier, Joe. Sorry, Nate, I'm jumping no, in here. Okay. But just that uh, there, there are competing definitions of what freedom actually means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, when we talk about, when, when they talk about liberation, they say that the, the, the critical theory is emancipation from slavery. It's acts, it acts mm. as a, a liberating influence. Freedom from what? Right. Liberation yeah. from what to be what? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the critical question, and it's by what standard? Right. I mean, you can't liberate from nowhere. You can't, you can't uh, emancipate somebody from nothing into nothing. And this is always the problem with these, uh, these critical uh, theories, is they pretend as almost as though they're liberating from nowhere. Um, it's just identifying the problem. But you can't identify a problem without a criteria. And you can't call somebody to freedom out of slavery unless you're freeing them from something into something else. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're, what they're freeing us from is the God of Scripture and His Word. Right. And they're liberating us into the radical autonomy of the human personality to, to recreate knowledge. There's no such thing for the critical theorists as any kind of objective knowledge. Uh, there's no objective truth. There's certainly no objective morality. It's liberation always on the horizon. And the goal, the critical goal is destruction. Mm. The destruction of all norms to emancipate human beings from normativity and, 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 and any normative structure. 
Um, so where they miss it is right here. It's 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 in that first paragraph of Horkheimer, his thoughts on religion, is this notion that the concept of God was for a long time the place where the idea was kept alive that there are other norms beside those to which nature and society give expression in their operation. So there's two things going on there. He wants to deny that there that that, that there is a law, the transcendent law from God, but he also misunderstands radically the Christian view of law and norm, which isn't that it exists in some ideal platonic world up there, but that actually all God's laws and norms are expressed and manifest within creation, not not in some ideal world, but in creation. And that is the very place where it's most offensive to Horkheimer and to the critical theorists. They will not have a God who is involved in history. That is the most radical offense, let alone a God that holds the state to account in terms of his word. Just as you're sharing all of that, Joe, I'm thinking of uh, how you mentioned it's always on the horizon for the critical theorist. And I'm just thinking of Christ on the cross at Calvary Mm -hmm. when he says, it is finished. Right. For the critical theorist, it's never finished. No. No, that's that's actually a very insightful point. Have you been drinking today or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some really good scotch here. That's a really that's a really good point. When we see in the New Testament the ultimate act of God's justice, and actually, it's the ultimate act of liberation too. Mm-hmm. This is the Exodus that Moses and Eli- that uh, Moses and Elijah speak to the Lord Jesus about on the Mount of Transfiguration. That's the term the Bible uses. The Exodus he was about to accomplish. Here is the moment. Here is actually the full realization of the meaning of the Exodus in the Old Testament. Here it is in Christ, the Passover Lamb, mm-hmm. who is sacrificed for us. The Apostle Paul says, and. At that moment, he realizes the liberation of his people from the power of sin, death, and the devil. And he frees us from the tyranny Mm. and abuse of sin. And he delivers us into the kingdom of darkness. He delivers us from from Pharaoh, (laughs) from Satan. Mm -hmm. And uh, he takes us out. He leads us out. And he doesn't say, I'm almost done. Right. (laughs) You know, there's a little ways to go. No, he Mm -hmm. says... Tetelestai, mm-hmm. it is finished. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's complete. Mm-hmm. The liberation is that everything necessary to establish our freedom from the power of sin and death has been accomplished. Mm-hmm. And that's why he, of course, is able to say, although we haven't got time to exegete this test right now, today to the thief on the cross, you will be with me in paradise. He's not saying to the thief, I'll see you in a minute in heaven. Mm. He's saying to the thief, today, everything, don't forget, Christ dies before the thief. Mm-hmm. It is finished. Mm. And that thief actually says, Lord, remember me when you come, when I see you in heaven in a minute? No, when you come in your kingdom. Mm. So you see the, the, the realization here that what's going on is Christ is saying everything necessary for the realization of the restoration of paradise for the kingdom of God is finished. Mm-hmm. It's not simply on the horizon. Now, of course, the bringing about of the fullness of the kingdom of God is a process within history. Mm. But everything do- everything necessary for its accomplishment has already been done. And uh, that is the difference between utopianism. Uh, it's one of the differences between utopianism and the doctrine of the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. 
uh, that Christ, who is both God and man, establishes his rule and reign, Mm -hmm. and it will involve ultimately the reign of his perfect justice, something which the critical theorists deny is ever possible. Right, that's right. Christ will establish that in the earth. It will be done when he consummates his kingdom um, and uh, brings about the reality of the, the, the new Jerusalem. Right. And so this is, of course, where, as sinful men, as these, all of these philosophers grappling with the reality of the, uh, uh, the fall, in denial of the fall, of course, um, but as fallen men and women desperate to get back to paradise and railing against God's laws and norms mm-hmm. because they believe fundamentally you will be as God. Mm-hmm. Knowledge, social order, truth is a human product. You will be as God. You can know, define good and evil for yourself. Um, and that, of course, is where the Christian faith, Orthodox Christianity, is the only bulwark of resistance to these lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I know uh, switch switch gears here a little bit for the, the last portion of today's episode. Um, a little bit, switching a little bit. We're looking at another another illustration or another instance of critical theory on display here, and. If you're uh, if you're Canadian, you there's a good chance that you've seen this. Uh, Jamil Giovanni, a, a popular uh, talk radio host on uh, on Bell Media, which is a major Canadian media outlet for all of our international listeners. Uh, he's a uh, he's a lawyer. He's a conservative. He's a Christian man mm-hmm. and a good friend of ours who's been to a few programs here. That's right. Mm-hmm. He's also uh, a, a black man, and uh, this, is, this is important for, uh, for what we're going to talk about. Also, just parenthetically, uh, we're going we're gonna to try and get, uh, get Jamil on. We've reached out to him, but he's probably had 6,000 other people reaching out to him today mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, to talk about his experience. But the experience was that he was just fired uh, from his, uh, his talk show on Bell Media and he lays it out in his blog that we'll link to that uh, all, all the signs are there that it was for not conforming to mm-hmm. the preconceived expectations of the, uh, the Bell executives, the radio executives there, uh, for what a, you know, what a black radio host ought to be <laughs> talking yeah. about, how he ought to be presenting himself, the perspectives that he ought to be speaking from, and then sort of in, within office hours there uh, for his refusal to participate in equity consultations that were based on mm-hmm. race and gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. So we've, uh, we've got here just a in living color uh, a case of critical theory in action again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if I could just so, jump in there, Ryan, with a, with a quote from his blog. Yeah. Uh, in, in his blog, Jamil writes, Bell Media, iHeartRadio, was not prepared for a black man who loves his country, rejects victimhood politics, which is, of course, what we've been talking about, mm-hmm. maintains strong ties to his faith community, and shares heterodox views on a wide range of issues. So Bell Media just really hired him with the assumption that he would 
talk from a liberal perspective that they that's what they expected from him and that's not what they got mm -hmm. yeah and uh, this is important to point out that uh, so here we have uh, we said there's a variety of critical theories and this is one of them critical uh, race theory where you've got a black man who's not falling in line mm -hmm. with the canons of mm. critical race theory right. and as such he must be exiled mm. and he must be expunged from the media so you can see that this has note that the, the 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 issue of critical race theory here is not about uh the individual black or indigenous or any other color mm -hmm. brown yellow whatever it's not ultimately about the individual uh, and their their rights or their voice mm -hmm. as a person of color. Uh, it's about the view of reality. It's about the worldview that critical theory wishes to inculcate. Remember, the, the originators of this theory were Germans, right? They're German philosophers. Uh, this, this theory didn't originate in Africa, mm -hmm. didn't come out of Asia. And in fact, um, uh, the, uh, the Harvard law professor, Derek Bell, and um, various colleagues of his in 1989 held a conference in Wisconsin where critical race theory was uh, officially born. And this whole idea of demarginalizing the intersection of race and sex and um, this whole idea of intersectionality um, was actually born. Um, in his um, in his book, and we would recommend as a sort of um, a readable, popular introduction to this issue, is uh, Vody Bakum's um, Fault Lines, uh, The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicalism's Looming Catastrophe. And, um, uh, of course, Vody Bakum himself is a, is, a, is a black man, a Christian, Christian leader, and has been outspoken, you know, on this issue. And uh, he offers actually a, uh, a, a sort of thought line at the beginning of his book to help people get oriented to the issue of critical race theory. Um, he starts by pointing out the, its root, Ryan, that you mentioned at the very beginning of the, of the podcast in, in Karl Marx's thought and the whole idea of conflict theory. So mm -hmm. this is essentially the idea that society is made up of different classes and they're all competing. They're competing for limited resources and so on. And uh, to understand for Marx history, you, you must understand the class struggle. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the, uh, the class struggle is at the, um, the, the heart of this. It's about economics. It's about for the control of financial resources. And of course, for Marx and Engels, the family was at the root of that, of this sort of capitalist um, so-called um, view of society that they were railing against, which of course, critical theory is railing against. So this conflict theory, followed by the idea of hegemony. So that's the dominant group imposing its idea, its ideology on the rest of society. Uh, so control is achieved in this view um, through uh, not just coercion, coercion can play a part, but it's about social conditioning. So you've got conflict theory, uh, you've got Gramsci's idea of hegemony, and then you've got the, the Frankfurt School's uh, notion of, of, uh, of critical theory. I've talked about Horkheimer. You've got Marcuse as well and others. And this is about the, the structural issues that are causing inequity, right? So 
the assumption uh, that they're working from is that the current social reality uh, is broken. So you look at uh, uh, the society today, it's broken. And of course, you know, we have to ask, what does that presuppose? These people are, are looking at society, they're pointing out the problems, but on the basis of what? What's the criteria? What By what standard? Mm -hmm. So you've got these structural issues uh, and they needed to identify the people in the institutions that could make the changes and provide these goals for social transformation. And then you put it all together, he says, and in other words, it implies uh, revolution and uh, a these are not, as we've said, just um, these tools. It's a philosophy. It's a worldview. Mm -hmm. And he quotes, and let me, uh, let me just read this citation because it's, it's worth quoting in full. According to the UCLA um, Luskin School of Public Affairs, this is what critical race theory is. This is what um, uh, our brother there is actually up against. Mm -hmm. Jamil is facing essentially critical race theory in the media. He doesn't go along, so he's got to be out. This is this is how um, the Luskin School of Public Affairs defines it. These are these are founders and practitioners. So, Vody's pointing out this is this is defining it in their own terms. This is not our definition; it's their definition. CRT recognizes, and I'm quoting, that racism is ingrained in the fabric and system of the American society. The individual racist need not exist to note that institutional racism is pervasive in the dominant culture. This is the analytical lens that CRT uses in examining existing power structures. That's critical, right? So you, that's the lens. Here's, that's the worldview. CRT identifies that these power structures are based on white privilege and white supremacy. Notice that that's been said about the convoy as well, the freedom convoy mm -hmm. going to Ottawa, which perpetrates the marginalization of people of color. CRT also rejects the traditions of liberalism and meritocracy. Legal discourse says that the law is neutral and colorblind. However, CRT challenges this legal truth by examining liberalism and meritocracy as a vehicle for self-interest, power, and privilege. Mm. End quote. So it starts at the very root. It says that uh, the idea of a meritocracy, that, that's, that hard work, discipline, self-improvement, taking responsibility... Uh, that that's what helps you move forward in society. They reject that. They reject what we talked about earlier, that the, the, the traditional continental liberal ideas of rule of law and so on. Uh, and instead, these are set up as, as, as um, structures that advance self-interest, power, and privilege for white people. Hmm. So, but here you have a black man in the heart of the media, because he doesn't agree with this, mm -hmm. actually a successful black man, mm -hmm. which is, of course, even worse. <laughs> You've got a successful black man that doesn't agree with this. Um, and he rejects the presuppositions of critical theory uh, that, um, that basically uh, there's an ingrained uh, hostility at the, at the core of Western society uh, that it's institutionally racist, that, that, uh, that every structure and institution wants mm -hmm. to keep certain people down other than the, um, the white person, which, well, I mean, we could, how long would we need to spend looking at the social studies proving that actually, you know, at, at working class whites mm -hmm. in deprived neighborhoods mm -hmm. and their outcomes compared to um, uh, Asian groups and so on. I mean, this is, 
the the lens this mm. this lens of reading a society like the United States that has been a magnet for people from all over the world for generations to pursue freedom and liberty uh, in the wake of a black president, actually, mm. uh, whatever we think about him and his policies, mm. um, that uh, you've got a Jamil who rejects these the, this fundamental worldview, and as a result, he can't have a job. It doesn't matter that he's black. Uh, it doesn't matter that he is supposedly one of those people who's allegedly on the receiving end of this structural oppression. Mm -hmm. That's irrelevant. You don't go along with it. So your white bosses are going to sack you from your white liberal media organization. Uh, and uh, that's going to be the uh, that's going to be the end of your uh, your career as far as they're concerned, because you don't advance the ideology. Mm -hmm. Well, again, quoting from Jamil's blog, he says, Bell Media's vision for diversity and inclusion does not welcome black men who think for themselves. Right. That's what they don't want. Yeah. So this is not actually about liberation. It's not about freedom. It's not about uh, the, 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 the freedom of the, the black person or the black family or their success. Mm -hmm. it, it, because as far as they're concerned, the, the, the structure which has allowed Jamil, a man like Jamil, to succeed is the very thing that's at fault. And therefore, his participation mm -hmm. his in it and his mm -hmm. rejection of their worldview is the offense and the problem. So he must be cast out and exiled. Mm -hmm. So you see how it's a hypocritical um, <laughs> system of injustice because it rejects God's law word. And uh, mm. we've got a media. What we've shown, I think, in this podcast is that we've both got a governmental structure right now in this liberal government and a, and a, and a media elite in the grip of this false worldview that doesn't really care about working people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really care about the poor. It doesn't really care about the marginalized. certainly doesn't care about black men and women. What it cares about is the instantiation of its worldview, mm -hmm. its power structure, its idea of knowledge. And that must be imposed, normalized, uh, and uh, established throughout society in order for social justice and the utopian ideal mm -hmm. to be headed toward, to be pursued, to be pursued, not and to be, not to be attained, not to be attained, just ne to be, never can, never can actually arrive at it. That's right. Mm. And that's, what's interesting just to bring it quickly back as we wrap up to the trucker convoy. No wonder Canadians are full of hope. We've got this group of protesters saying we're done. It's yeah. over. Mm. Yeah. No more mandates, no more moving goalposts. Yeah. Isn't it interesting how, and the play, the, there's no better place to end than at the cross, is there? Mm -hmm. uh, and when you look at the, the passion of Christ, you see a black man carrying the cross of the Lord Jesus partway, mm. Simon of Cyrene. Yep. You see mm. the cross surrounded by uh, Jews, people who, including the Apostle John, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. So these are Middle Eastern Semites. And then you also see at the end the centurion, a Roman, uh, in the modern terms, an Italian, saying, surely this man was the son of God. Mm -hmm. So you have a black man, Middle, Middle Easterners, and a Western European 
but they all recognize who it is that has just died for their sins. Mm. That's the only place and the reality of the kingdom. Lord, remember us, black, Middle Eastern, Western, whoever we are, when you come in your kingdom, because the kingdom is the only unifying and totalizing reality that is able to break down the divisions and the prejudice in society and is typified for us at the Lord's table where every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation who have been made a kingdom of priests unto God come together as one. That's the moment of true unity. And of course we see it, it's there in the book of Revelation, isn't it? That every tribe, tongue, people, nation is there praising the Lord as a kingdom of priests. And every time we gather at the Lord's table, we recognize our unity together in Jesus Christ, in his kingdom, and in terms of his justice, his law, his gospel. And uh, that's the answer that we have to offer to a fragmented, uh, a weary, and a tired world. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a beautiful picture, Joe. As you say, that's uh, that's the answer that uh, that Christians have to offer. That's the the message of the gospel, that this... This reality, this uh, reunification in Christ has been accomplished and mm-hmm. will be ultimately realized at the end. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's all the time we have for today's episode. We've got Mike Thiessen bashing down the door to try to get in. <laughs> He's been exiled. That's right. He wouldn't stay in his lane. <laughs> Unacceptable views. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're going to see you all again next week. We look forward to it. Thank you for listening. We remind you as ever that from him and through him and to him are all things. God be the Lord.